Okay, so today's daf is daf Lamed. We pick up at the bottom of Chaf Kedemut Bet, and um, we are dealing with this debate about how to interpret this Mishnah about uh, somebody's picture breaks. Are you Chayev? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Meir says you are. Rabbi Yehuda says only if you have Kavana. And the simple way of explaining the debate is whether Nitzkal is Posheya. If when it slips out of your hand or you trip or whatever, are you considered to be negligent or not? Um, the Gemara also discusses the debate of the issue about Mafkir Nezakov. If your Mafkir is something you broke, that could be one of two debates. Either it could just be a debate that technically if you don't own something you're never chayev on it for bore even if you're negligent which sounds completely crazy. It means you dig a pit in which is robbing you're exempt because you don't own it. That's one issue. But the other more immediate issue is, which is I think worth uh, sort of focusing on is the question about what you need to have a moment of negligence to be chayev for the bore. So if you tripped and it, you were negligent and it's tripping and breaking then obviously you're going to be negligent but um, if even if we say you were not negligent when the uh, thing broke and therefore you're exempt in the immediate aftermath of that but you would not remain exempt if you had an opportunity to clean it up then you do become negligent but that obligation to clean it up after it broke would only be if you continue to own it so if you did not own it so you weren't negligent when it fell because that's considered to be an honest and then you were mafkirit and therefore it, didn't bec- it was not your responsibility to clean it up then you would be exempt but if you continue to own it that would create a responsibility to clean it up so that's I think a very important conceptual you know point about needing that moment of negligence okay so we pick up make you, like, you know, right so the argument could be and that was a possible read of the debate before but the Gemara rejected it that even if you are mafkir you have to clean it up because even if you weren't to fall to broke it still is your thing but that's important that it assumes no if you don't own it you don't have to clean it up if you weren't negligent to begin with okay so now the Gemara uh, picks up with the bottom so we now are picking up the first wide line and there was a debate between Rabbi Yochanan and who was it? Uh, Rabbi Lazar thank you about the simple question uh, simple question whatever about this issue about do you have to um, own the boar to be chayef on it if you dig a boar are you putter because you maybe have to own it right if you're masculine even if you're negligent maybe you're putter because maybe you have to own it so this was a debate of Rabbi Yochanan and Rebbe Lezer and we're trying to decide how they line up so until now we said Rebbe Lezer says you don't have to own it because Rebbe Lezer says in the name of his Rebbe Rebbe who has a Shimon or something Rebbe Shmael that uh, two things you don't technically own but you're high for them anyway as if you own them Chometz and Pesach and a boar Bereshit HaRabim so you see that Rebbe Lezer says you don't have to have to own the boar the Tarchit said as if you owned it even though you don't own it so we're presuming that Rebbe Yochanan says you're only chayv if you do own the boar and that's where we pick up so first wide line here did Rebbe Yochanan really say that but now we talk in the Mishnah how much needs the Mishnah coming up that you basically you put a uh, you know a thorns in the, in your wall or uh, broken pieces of glass um, or you actually made a fence out of like you know a thorn uh, you know uh, bushes or whatever it was okay you use thorns as a fence a barbed wire fence together or or your wall fell into it somebody is it got damaged your chayav because all these things were like dangerous protruding into Rishis Harabim. All right. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Lo Shanu Le Bemafriach. You're only Chayev if you're... Uh, 
fence, you know, your your barbed wire fence crosses over. It's like you're making it, like, you know, it's uh, fruitful, is the word mafriach. You know, it, cro- it, it expands. It crosses into the boundaries of Rashid HaRabim. Um, if you are very narrow and your barbed wire fence remains completely on your side of the property line, patur, you're exempt. Okay? Because then the person shouldn't be walking into your domain. So the Gemara says, Mitzamtsein, my time of patur, why are you exempt? Lav mishum So the Gemara thinks here's the reason. Because it is in your domain. Okay? That makes sense. It's in your domain. The person shouldn't be in your domain. So what does that say about our debate? From that we can infer that the obligation of a boar is in Rashid Rabim. Because here's the issue. If you say you have to own a boar to be chayav, when are you ever chayav? If it's in the middle of Rashid Rabim, I don't own it and I'm potter. If it's in my domain, you shouldn't be in my domain. So when are you chayav? So the only time you would be chayav is if here's the Rashid Rabim and here's your domain and you made the boar right at the edge of Rashid Rabim. Okay? So this is your Rashid. So you technically own it, but it's a hazard because it runs right up against Rishud Rabim. So it's a hazard that's in your Rishud that you set you own, but it remains a hazard because it's right at the edge of Rishud Rabim. What? Do we deal with the case where you're in my property with permission? I'm sorry. Oh, well, with my permission, but then we, but okay, but let's maybe, but let's not let's not deal with that case right now. This is presumed to be the case, okay? And therefore, if you say you have to own a board, this would be the case. But that's exactly the case of the fence with the, with the barbed wire fence that's in my domain. And Rabbi Yochanan says you're putter in that case. So presumably, you see for Rabbi Yochanan, if it's technically on your side of the line, you're putter. So the only boar that you're chayef for is a boar in Meshut HaRabim. Okay? So the Gemara says, Michal Dechiyuvah Deboar Meshut HaRabim Hu. Alma, you see, Mavkir Nezak of Chayef. If you're Mavkir something that broke your Chayef, you see you do not have to own a boar in order to be chayef for it. Because the only boar you could be chayef for is a boar in Meshut HaRabim. But says, no, no, not necessarily. I can tell you, mafkir nizakov putter. That actually your putter, if you mafkir it, and you have to own a boar. Okay? And therefore, the case in the Torah that you're high for is this case. On the edge of Rashid Rabim, and you own it. So if that's true, so why you putter by Mitzam? Why you, why you putter by Mitzam came? Mitzam say, my time of putter. Why you putter by Mitzam? Say, Mishum, to eat Marla, because it was a set on it. Because people don't rub up right against the walls. Meaning, even if you weren't making a barbed wire fence, okay, people, like, you know, you don't, when you're going through, like, you know, when you're going through, like, you know, your, your driveway, or not, whatever, like, you know, a, uh, like, a, you're going into a garage, right? You give yourself a little bit of a buffer zone. You don't drive your car a, a half of an inch next to the edge of the garage. So when you're walking in Rashid Rabin, you naturally give a buffer zone to walls. So if it's a wall and it's barbed wire, it's not a hazard. Because people will anyway give a buffer zone to walls. But this... You're walking. You don't see the pit. You're la da 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 da. da. You're walking right at the end, edge of the property line. You're not getting any buffer because you don't see a wall. And then all of a sudden, you fall into a pit that was drawn, made right at the property line. Okay. So technically, yes, the chiyuv of the Torah could be a bore in your rishus at the property line. But if the hazard is a wall and it's all in your rishus, you're not chayv because then it's presumed that people will should naturally give it space anyway. One minute. Let's just finish this. Okay. 
Yom Reb Yochanan Hachi, did Reb Yochanan really say this? Again, that the chiv of a boar is something that you do, only something you own. V'hamer Reb Yochanan, halacha kistan mishnah, we rule like the stan mishnah, v'tanan, and we teach in a later mishnah, hachover boar b'rishud harabim, if you dug a boar in Rashud harabim, the classic boar, you don't own it. V'navel atoch ha-shor ha-chamor chayav, and an ox or donkey falling at your chayav. So the stan mishnah says you're chayav in a boar b'rishud harabim, a boar that you don't own, so you see, and if Rabbi Yochanan says we were like a Rasta Mishnah, clearly Rabbi Yochanan would say, you don't have to own a boar to be chayev. Ella Fine says, Kamar, you're right. Lolem Rabbi Yochanan Merchayev. Rabbi Yochanan says you're chayev on a boar you don't own. Rabbi Yochanan Merchayev, Rabbi Lezer, I'm potter. So now Rabbi Lezer says, you're that, you're potter. You're only chayev if you really own it. Now how could you say that? We said yesterday that Rabbi Eliezer said in the name of Rabbi Ishmael that if a born with Shudar Abin, you don't own it, but it's treated as if you do own it. So how can we now be saying that according to Rabbi Eliezer, you're only chayv if you really own it? So the Gemara says, Lokasha Hadidei Hadarabe. That was his Rebbe's position. Rabbi Lezer was quoting his Rebbe, Rabbi Shmuel, that says, Yechayv in Rishit Harabim as if you own it. But once you start the framework as if you own it, conceptually the idea of ownership is important. So then Rabbi Eliezer took that one step further and said, You really have to own it. Okay? So because Rabbi, Le- Rabbi Yochanan rules like a Stam Mishnah, the Stam Mishnah says, Yechayv on a board, Rishit Harabim. Rabbi Yochanan says, You do not have to own a board to be Chayv. Classic boards, Rishit Harabim, Yechayv. Rabbi Eliezer, in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, said, conceptually it's based on owning, but a Borba Shudarabim is like you own it. And then Rabbi Eliezer himself said that actually you really have to own it. And a Borba Shudarabim, you would be putter, you're only chayv if you really own it. So if you're mafkir, you're hazard, and Shudarabim, you're putter, because you're only chayv for boar if you actually own it. In the end, this is really the question of whether fundamentally boar is a type of a mamun hamazik, and you have to own it, right? And even if it's in Shudarabim, maybe you could say it's as if you own it, but conceptually, it's about ownership or maybe it's not conceptually about ownership at all it's about causing damage and about creating a hazard okay yes Michael yeah so the case of the Torah then about a gene mm. in your, your property is probably where there's you, know, you really couldn't tell the difference between like a property you know these days let's right say, you know I'm just trying to say making modern analogs so if I did it on my lawn but there's right. a sidewalk then yeah I don't, I don't think it matters I think that if there's no reason that people who normally walk on sidewalks feel they need to give a buffer zone between them and the edge of the grass that they're walking by, then that's the point. Even if the line is clear, if the natural behavior of people is to walk right up against the edge of the grass, then you'd be, then, then you'd be chayiv, because that creates a hassle. So, you know, like yeah, it doesn't matter. You're not watching every step you're taking, and your natural behavior is to walk up against the grass. But if your natural behavior is to give a, like a foot or, you know, or a few inches of a buffer zone, then you can't call that thing a hazard. Okay, so now, oh, so I want to make one important point before we turn on to the next Mishnah. This whole discussion conceptually has been about boar. You need a certain amount of negligence to create boar, and that's the question whether somebody who's tripping nitkalis poche or nitkalis onus, whether that was a negligence. But I did want to, I can't let go of the whole Adam Hamazic question, because if you remember, one of the ways the Gemara framed the issue was as you're falling, the thing that falls, the picture falls out of your hand and it damages somebody in flight, you know, as you tripped, and that's also the question of nitkal poche or not poche. So here's the problem. According to Tosos, that says Adam you need a degree of negligence that works perfectly if I trip and the thing falls out of my hand it's only if I'm considered to be negligent am I going or a certain degree of negligence am I be chai if it hits somebody but if you think like the Ramban that the other mamazik is obligated even without any negligence so even if when I trip I'm not negligent I should be chai if it's other mamazik 
Okay, everybody hear that question? So the difference is the following. If I trip and actually fall on you, even if I'm not negligent, I'm chayiv. That's Adam Hamazik. But if I trip and something flies out of my hand and hits you, then it's actually a question of whose koach is that? Right? When that thing flew out of my hand, it's not my body broke your, your object. It's this thing I was holding, the book I was holding, broke your object. Well, is it that that's, that that's me who broke your object through my book? Or is it just a flying book broke your object? So there, if there's not a certain degree of negligence, then the book, the book is not my act. The book falling on your object is not my act. If my body breaks your thing, then it's mu'ad la'olam. It doesn't matter if I was at fault or not. I tripped over my own two feet. Somebody pushed me. Or somebody pushed me. Maybe they have to pay, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, that yes. But that's different. Anyway, it doesn't matter, okay, if I break it. But part, it's an interesting point that this discussion of whether when you trip you're negligent related to a case of an Adam Hamazik. And for the Ramban that says that you don't need any negligence for Adam Hamazik, it becomes an interesting question of when do you think that things that are not that when my body breaks it, I've done it. But when something that came out of my hands broke it, and it wasn't my body itself, is that my action or not, might depend on my degree of negligence for that thing flying out of my hands. Okay, you, yes. Like, let's say you're walking, you know, having a knife. Like, an unsheathed knife. Mm-hmm. You're just saying stupid, right? Right, and, so and, and then someone pushes you. Right. So then is it... And they're negligent? Well, We're going to get to that. That's a mission coming up, okay? All things will be answered in good time. Not all things, but a lot of things. Okay, let's look at the next mission. <laughs> Oh, you push one and then you bang into another. Wow, wow! Thank God you're okay. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we're gonna act. Well, people, trust me. We're having a mission. Gonna have a mission like this. Let's move on. Not this Mishnah. So we quoted this before. We quoted a part of this Mishnah. It seems like it's just a straight continuation of the previous issue. Okay, before we had you accidentally broke something and there was a question of degree of negligence. Here, you're even being more intentional. You're just spilling out your, you know, your collected rainwater from your drain into Rishit Harabim, okay? Or, you know, you, who knows, you know, they didn't have a running, pl- they didn't have plumbing there, so you're just spilling out your, like, like your wastewater, whatever, in Rishit Harabim. And somebody got damaged. Obviously, there, there's fault and negligence. It's not only an accident, it's certainly not, it's not, it's more than the accident case of the previous Mishnah. Now, here's what we just had before. You put, you know, thorns or, 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 or pieces of glass, um, you know, right in your wall. You make your wall out of thorns and it runs up against the Rishud Harabim. And the, and the wall fell into Rishud Then you are Chayef. So the question that you want to ask is in the case, the case is about putting the thorns or whatever is presumably it's a case where there was a certain degree of negligence where you should be able to anticipate as we just discussed that people would rub, rub up against it. In the case of the wall falling that's interesting. Right? Maybe it was an accident that it fell. Maybe you weren't aware that it fell. So the Mishnah is being like, like, like oblivious, like almost unconcerned with the question of what fault it is. It goes from a case of a pitcher breaking to intentionally spilling water to a wall falling. That, and you understand why the Gemara yesterday quoted an opinion that said that according to Rabbi Meir, even if you were total honest, you're chayev. Because that's what it sounds like in the Mishnah. But the Gemara has been insisting that you need a certain degree of negligence. So, so if you need a certain degree of negligence, we have to say you, anticip- you knew the wall was going to fall, or it might have fallen, or you had time to take it away, you were informed about it. But all of those key points are absent from the Mishnah. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Amarav. 
<coughs> low times where there's going to be a repeat. Low shanu When are you chayiv if you got if you hurt yourself in the water? Your vessels got damaged because again, Rav remember says the water is still yours and it's a bull and it's a shore and therefore you're chayiv, it's chayiv on the damage of objects of vessels. So therefore your clothes got damaged and therefore you're chayiv because it's sure. Aval who atzmo patur. But if he slipped on the water and banged himself on the ground, you're exempt. Why? Karkolim hisikasso. He wasn't damaged in the water. The water, the shore, pushed him on the ground, and the ground damaged him. So we discussed that the other day. And Rav would say, that's not a type of a shore or a bore. You're damaged on something else, not your responsibility. Very uh, unstrange, but that's Rav's position. Okay? So, sorry. How do you just... Okay, fine. Anyway. Okay, so, Karkolam Hizikaso. I'm going to read Rafuna Laraf. So, Rafuna said to Rav, show. Let this just be like his uh, waist. What does that mean? Or his dung or something. Which means that if... Um, he, he understands like this. You, you spilled the water. The water made mud. Okay? So, if... Here, right? If, basically... We're assuming... Stop... I find that word show weird. When we come across that, usually... I know. Refesh Vatit. I don't know. Rashi says... Okay, anyway. So, if we're assuming, here's the water, the guy slipped, okay, and hit himself on the Karka Olam. Okay? But he is saying, why do you interpret it that way? Let's assume that the water here went and made all of this into mud, and therefore he slipped and he hit himself on the ground. Now, the problem is not that you got on the mud. Now, the problem is not that you got your face filled with mud. Okay? That's not the damage. But the point is, once... No. You broke your tooth. Yeah, you got yourself injured. But, once you turn the ground into mud, it's not Karka Olam. It's now your ground, your mud. Now, again, whether we see technically, does that mean I really own this piece of ground? I own the mud because my water turned it in? Or just conceptually it's mine since I transformed it, it's like it's mine? But that's at least his argument. If you turn this into mud and the guy hit himself where the mud was, like even if, he's saying like this, if it wasn't mud, if it was just, if it was just water on top of the ground, then he's, then he's hurting himself on the ground that's below the water and the ground isn't yours. Okay? But if what he did, but if the water turns it into mud, then the mud makes the ground yours and it's your ground that he hurt himself on. That's his question. So let's see what the answer is. So the Gemara says like this, What makes you think the water hasn't um, sort of been fully absorbed? It was fully absorbed. And now, actually, I'm actually going to read this. Tosos has a gift that's the reverse. It winds up being the same thing, but the reverse gears are reads better. So who says, what makes you think that the water was absorbed and turned it into, meaning, meaning got, you know, entered into the dirt and made it into mud? We're talking that it wasn't absorbed and it's on the surface of the dirt, meaning, what makes you think we're dealing with mud? We're not dealing with mud, we're dealing with water on top of the earth. And therefore, it's not, therefore, that's why it's still Karka Olam. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, the to- it turn into mud, what? He's still not muscular. But so you're high for the water, because that's your shore, but you're not high for the dirt underneath it. Okay? But the case is water is on top of the dirt, so you're high for what the water does, you're not high for what the dirt does. But if it turns the dirt into mud, then it is like your mud, and you're high for, for, for the ground. Right? Yeah. Okay. So it says like this. So the Gemara says like this. Um, the Tarki Lamali, why do I need to? Meaning, why do I need to take this case 
about spilling water, and the case of the previous Mishnah also talked about, right, what was the key to, to, for the... Uh, right, the, the case of the earlier was a guy who slipped on water when your pitcher broke. So why do I need two cases of slipping on water, the previous Mishnah and this Mishnah, one during the summer and one during the rainy season? Okay, Ditanya. We're about to get to this at the bottom of the page. All those people that they said, you have a right, actually, to open up your, like, you know, your drain pipes and sweep out your, you know, your collected waste. So, if you do that in the summer when the streets are nice and clean and like not, you know, and not filled with rain or whatever, ain't lemmishes. You don't have a right to empty your waste into Rishas Rabin. In the rainy season, yes, lemmishes. You do have a right to empty your waste into Rishas Rabin. So, even though you have a right to do it, in Ezekiel you have to pay. Now, that seems strange. You would think the normal bore is because I don't have a right. But remember, by the way, the opinion that you're chayiv on a bore when you do it at the edge of Rashid Rabim. So technically, you have permission. You're doing it all in your property, right? You're not doing, you know, so technically, I have a right to dig in my property. But it doesn't matter. Even if you have a right to dig in your property, you're liable if you are creating a hazard for other people. So if I have a right to empty out my waste into the middle of the street, we might allow you to do that. But it's your responsibility to make sure you do it in a way that doesn't create a hazard. And if you do it in a way that creates a hazard, you're going to remain liable. So even though you have a right to do it, that does not free you from liability of what's going to result. So the reason one Mishnah talked about slipping, and this one talks about slipping, is this one, Hashofich Maim B'Rishud Rabim means even if you had a right to be spilling your water into Rishud Rabim, you are going to remain Chayev because you have to still make sure that you're not exposing people to, you know, that you're doing it in a way that is not creating a possible hazard. Yes? You know, I'm sure we'll get to this later then, but, you know, getting back to this board case, like, what would make me exempt? In other words, if I put up a sign, is that enough? Yeah, we're going to get to it. Yeah, so, so you might have to just cover it. I mean, we're going to get to it. That's a whole discussion about when are you exempt, when, when, when have you dealt with the hazard? When are you exempt? Okay. Okay, Hamasnira codes. Now, okay, we're going to get back also to this issue about throwing stuff in Rishad Arbim and still being high even if you have permission. Now we're back to the issue about the, uh, the uh, glass and the shards and whatever. Right, right. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Lo Shano Lamafriach. Same as we just said before. Only if the thorns are like sprouting forth into the Rishad Arbim. I will mit some thing low, but if it's right at the edge of your property, not. My time of pucker, why you exempt? I'm a Ravach, a Breda Raviko. If you change dark into Banana, I'm Lizchasek Pictolim. Because people don't walk right up against the wall. So therefore, even though it is not a hazard, because people, if people give it the normal buffer zone, they should not be bumping into it. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan. You basically went and you put your glass, your broken glass, into Shimon went and he put his broken glass into Ruvain's wall. Okay, and Ruvain came and knocked down his wall. The and let's say the glass. I mean, if the wall fell into Rishut Rabim, he's liable. But the glass that was hidden in the wall went into Rishut Rabim, the Ziku, and damaged. And Shimon, who put the glass in, is Obviously, because it's his glass. But the question is, well, is it obvious? Should he have, what was it a case that he could have anticipated that that would have happened? How 
good of a wall was it? So Amar of Yochanan, what? Yeah, well, that's another question. Like, did he have permission, and does that automatically make him chayiv? So you could have said that. You could have said even if he shouldn't have reasonably be able to anticipate the wall would fall down, right? He has no right to be doing it there, and he's liable. But that's not what the Gemara says. Amar of Yochanan, lo ra'ua. Shimon's liability is only if the wall was a rickety wall, and therefore he could have anticipated that you know it would have fallen down or it would have been knocked down. About the cult of Bari, if it's a strong wall, Hamatsniya Patur, he's exempt because then it's sort of like Ruach Shaina Mitsuya. You put something in a place, you might have not, you might have transgressed something because you know you 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 impinged on this person's property rights that you put your thing there. But that doesn't change the fact that there was no negligence from the perspective of I didn't create a hazard in Rashid Harabim. I disposed of it in a way which under all normal circumstances should not have created a hazard for any person. Maybe I did it by uh, improperly putting stuff on your property. So you want to sue me in court for misuse of your wall, you can do it. But in terms of my responsibility towards the Rabbim, it was totally protected. Yeah. And in that case, I'm part of it. Because he put the, the thing in property yeah um, well if he was maskier maybe but we're back to see Ruben's liability in a minute and it seems to be regardless of who regardless of who technically owns it so that's the next line okay now why is the that's bizarre right I, I, you know Dove is saying maybe you technically own but you're like oblivious right so why should you be so it seems to be the Gemara doesn't spell this out I mean Rashi says sort of, well, you know, you should have you, you, you should have been paying, like you, it sounds like you should be anticipating if I'm going to be knocking down my wall then I have to like, you know, be paying attention to anything that might happen. So it now becomes my responsibility to make sure that nothing has splattered out of my wall even though you could say, well I didn't have any reason to think something would. Somehow because you're knocking down the wall. What happens if you didn't knock it down? What happens if your wall fell down, right? And you, and, and you became aware that it was going to, that it was going to fall down. You became a wall that it did fall down. Maybe that's different, right? So somehow the Gemara doesn't explain the key point about why all of a sudden you should be liable if you don't even know that I put it there. Okay? And you have to sort of either surmise that you do know I put it there, which it didn't say, or if you're knocking it down, you need to be able to anticipate or you need to be able to check about all of the possible consequences. Okay? But it, it is missing the key, the key explanation of why you're high of. Yes? Oh, that's interesting because here the ace itself was timid. No, it didn't do that, but that's an interesting flip point. Like the the very beginning of the ish was in a hidden type of a way. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But I don't know. I don't think that comparison is not made explicitly. Certainly not here. Okay, so the Gemara says like this: Amar Avina Zoto Merit. The fact that um, Shimon who is putter in the case where it was a, a good wall, this would tell you. Let's say um, Shimon came and he used Reuven's bucket to to, to be a manhole cover for his for his pit. Okay, Yav. And then Reuven came and took his 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 bucket back. Chayev Balaboy. Then Shimon is Chayev. So what's the comparison? I used Reuven's bucket to cover my thing. It was reasonable to expect that Reuven would retrieve his bucket. So even though Reuven is the one that exposes the boar, I remain Chayev. So the similarity is my broken pieces of glasses are the boar. I put them in Reuven's wall. It's reasonable if it's reasonable to expect that the wall will be removed. It's a rickety wall, and it's reasonable to expect 
that it'll fall down, it'll be knocked down, then even though Reuben is the one to knock it down or so on, I return to being Chayev, I should have anticipated that, knowing that covering it with the wall was not a good cover. Okay? So the Gemara says, and, and it's a funny thing, it's like, like that's, it's, it's like it's obvious why Shimon is Chayev if it's a rickety wall. We're more interested in why Reuben is Chayev if it's a good wall. But anyway, but this is Pshita, obviously. No, Maudetema, I might have thought, in the case of the um, uh, in the case of the one minute Hassam oh in the case of the of the what do you call it of the of the of the glass I don't know who put glass in my wall so of course you can't so I can't go tell the guy who put the glass come retrieve your glass so of course it's like you know you can't you can't blame me I had no recourse when I was knocking down the wall okay but in the case of the bucket the other lay that I when I retrieve my bucket presumably I know that it's Shimon's bore so maybe if I was going to retrieve my bucket I should have told Shimon hey Shimon you should know I'm retrieving my bucket you better cover up your bore so maybe since I didn't tell Shimon that I was retrieving my bucket maybe that makes me chayef kamash malan that I'm not okay at the end of the day though it seems much more obvious in the case when Shimon put it in a rickety wall that Shimon is going to be Chayev. For, for at least me, the more interesting question is, is when Shimon put it in a strong wall, why is Ruvain Chayev? Right? We've already gotten through the idea that you need a certain degree of negligence and a fault. So you have to sort of surmise what the negligence would be in that case, but the Gemara is not telling you what it is. Okay, now we have a very nice little end of this discussion. Tanu Rabbanan. Chasidim Arishonim, the original righteous ones, Hayumatim Kotsotem Bizuchtehem, they what would they do with their thorns and with their broken pieces of glass? They would put it in their own fields and in, b- below the ground, not somewhere where it could get exposed. Three, three tvachim deep in the ground. Today, so it also shouldn't create a problem when you're trying to plow. Now that sounds like the concern is that your, your plowing won't go well. But another version of this says so that plowing doesn't expose it and then create it as a hazard. So they were very, very careful with that. Okay, Rishesh shadi lubinura. Rishesh would burn it. Okay, Rava shadi le bediglas. Rava threw it into the uh, uh, what's the diglas? Not the Euphrates, the other Tigris. one, the Tigris. Okay, so there you go. All right, but he got it. Did made, took extra measures to make sure nobody could be injured by it. And the point here seems to be that even if it could be in a way that technically you'd be exempt, right? They took extra measures to make sure it wasn't just a question of would they be liable to have to pay. They took extra measures to make sure that nobody should be damaged through their objects. All right? And that leads the Gemara to the next statement. Somebody who wants to be righteous um, should fulfill the obligations of Nizikin, of Baba Kama, the Marsha says Baba Kama, Baba Mithiyan, Baba Basra, it's all those things. It's about theft, it's about damages, it's about returning lost objects, it's about lending with ribis, all things that have to do with interpersonal behavior, you should do it. Now what does it mean by lakayim? Does Lakayim just mean like do your legal obligation, know the laws, and that's enough just to be a chassid. Like just to really be mocked on the fullness of your legal obligations, right? That's one way of saying it. But it could be the Rabbeinu Hanano has a strange line, which he says, Rabbeinu Hanano says, Yikayim mili dinazikin afilu lirishut harabim. So I don't know exactly what it means, afilu lirishut harabim, but somehow I think what he's getting at is that even in contexts in which technically you're not obligated, right? If you're 
just like in these cases, hyper-careful. So it's not just you do technically what the law mandates. You're constantly being, being sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, um, uh, vigilant. Thank you. Vigilant around these issues so that nobody should ever be injured as a result of your thing. Okay, so it's a fascinating question whether it means that just doing the letter of the law is already a level of chasidut. Okay? Then the, then the Gemara says like this, Rava Amar Mili Avos. Oh, Pirke Avos. That's how you become a chassid. Okay? And the Amile Mili Brachos. Some say it's the words of Meseches Brachot. Now, what do these three options mean? So the Marsha actually anticipates, or I don't know if he anticipates, he came later, but he channels what the Ron says, and what they basically both say is that these are three different areas of behavior. One is interpersonal, right? What's Avot? So he thinks that the primary point about Avot is your obligations to yourself, about working on your own character development. And the other is Brachot is between you and God. And that what means here to be a Chassid, the way they both interpret it means, seems to be not just do your basic obligations, but strive to excel in these areas. And what they're debating is like, which are the areas to focus on? Interpersonal, your obligation to yourself or your obligation to God. I would like to suggest that all of them are defining the word of Chassidut here, again, and very importantly, different than the way we normally do. We normally sort of talk about like, you know, being righteous or like, like a Chassid or religious, you know, even not the technical, the modern term, or, you know, religious um, in very much like ways about about sort of um, particularistic, ritualistic type of behaviors. And here, it's particularly sort of saying, no, to be like a chassid means in terms of the very basic ethics of interpersonal behavior. That's a really important point, number one, the more universal ethics, not something that's sort of particular and religious. But the other point is, I'd like to say that it's talking also about ways in which to achieve this. Because if you, let's talk about the mili de brachos. Rabbeinu Hanano says where it says mili de brachos, he says, if you take a look, like four lines before it gets wide here, where it's right before like it says the Mishnah, in the left-hand column, he says, So what I think he means is, is that if, if the core of Masechus Brachot is recognizing that this is all God's, everything in the world is God's, all your property, it's all God's, right? So that's, if that's your core recognition, so what does that do to change your orientation to your sense about your own property, to your responsibility towards other people's properties, right? So that's interesting. Like, can you sort of say the best way to be conscientious about your responsibility towards other people's properties is rooted in a religious recognition that it all comes from God. And if that's deep, your, that recognition is deep in you, then that'll impact your way in which you, act, you, you behave towards other people and other people's properties. As opposed to something that starts fundamentally from the world of Nazikin, which is like a world of like legal obligations and rights and obligations, sort of, you know, so that's, I think, a two ways to get at it. And nearly the other side would suggest is a third way. Mili de Avos is you know, working on your character, right? There's a whole question in ethics, whether ethics is based on, should it focus on right actions or should it focus on right character? Pirke Avos, you could debate which one Pirke Avos focuses on, but it does seem to focus a lot on developing the proper types of character traits, right? So maybe the way that I start, that, I, that I'm better at my obligations is not like say, like, it would be wrong to steal from you, wrong to hurt you, I have a responsibility towards other people. No, if I cultivate in myself 
itself the right type of midot, right, then that will sort of naturally lead to the right type of interpersonal behavior. So I think it's interesting to see these as three different ways of talking about how one really becomes, you know, hyper-careful about their, their interactions with other people and their impacting, you know, the way their actions can actually hurt or possibly impact other people. So that's a very nice little uh, philosophical, you know, end to some of this discussion. Okay, and again, the question being, does mili didizikin mean your, your base obligation, you know, just doing the letter of the law makes you a chassid, or is it talking about excelling beyond that? Let's look now at the next Mishnah. Okay, and we're going to continue this issue about putting stuff in Rishud Rabin that you might have a permission to, and still the question about your, does, that, that does not free you from liability. Um, somebody puts out his, uh, his, um, Hey and his uh, what's the difference between Kevin and Kosh? Hey, one is hey and the other is I don't know whatever. Um, fodder. What? Straw. Okay, fine. Anyway, straw and hay to Rashid Arabim. Rizvalin. Now you want it to get trodden on, and then it'll turn into a type of a usable um, uh, fertilizer. Um, so you're doing it in order to make it better, and you want to try to get some benefit out of putting in Rashid Arabim. Somebody got damaged. You're liable. Okay? So once again, not telling you why you're liable, but presumably there's a certain degree of negligence. You should realize that whether you have permission or not have permission, you should realize that people can get damaged. But now we have a new principle. If you did this thing that is a hazard, anybody who sees it can grab the straw. Okay? Now, is that true in general if you leave a hazard in Mishad Rabin? Maybe only this case, because maybe this case is like mm-hmm. too pervasive. People are doing this all the time. It's a real problem. It's too easy to slip on straw. So maybe this was a particular area that the rabbi said we had to make this knas and say people can seize the straw. But Rabshim Gamliel then broadens it. Rabshim Gamliel Omer, call on the Kalachalim Bershut Rabin. Anybody who damages the Bershut Rabin, the Ziku Chayavin, and cause damage your Chayav, and this idea that you can seize it is not just true by the straw case it's about anybody that damages now even within Rapim Gamliel does that mean if I leave my knapsack in Rishad Arabim you can seize it because it's a hazard and it's not so clear it doesn't sound like he says that anybody that created a hazard in Rishad Arabim sometimes I will leave my knapsack for a minute that I shouldn't have left it there but Mekalkel is different Mekalkel is that I've actually done something to like you know to affect the actual like a landscape of Rishud Harabim. That Rishud Harabim is, ne- right? My straw is, is all over the place, right? Maybe if I, you know, if I broke my glass and my glass is all over the street, that's Mekalkel. If I left my, my, my knapsack and you could trip over it, that's not yet Mekalkel. So it is a question. He doesn't say anybody who creates a Nezek, but Kola Mekalkel. It's not limited to straw, but anybody who basically is like destroying the, uh, you know, the landscape or whatever, you know, the, 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 uh, the thoroughfare is, is damaging the thoroughfare, then, then not only are you high, but anybody can seize the property. Similarly, we saw this before. Somebody's overturning dung, maybe trying to take possession of dung that somebody else put out there. But now that you're turning it over, you're moving it. It's your bore, or you're taking possession of it. So now you are liable for it. So what we're really doing here is starting to distinguish between, you know, the spectrum of more or less, uh, you know, more or less of a hazard being right. 
Conceptually, it's still a hazard. Right, right, correct. But I think that the Makalkel is, certainly in the case of the Tevin, it might have just been that this was too common of a behavior that we had to put a stop to, so we had to like have a particular focus to come about. No, I'm serious. You know, people were doing it as a regular thing. But the general Makalka, right, is I'm not so sure, but I'm not sure the difference is like how like likely it is that somebody, I mean, Makalka I think is more like it's not easy to fix right away. Like it's not temporary. It's more if you leave it there, the glass is gone. But you know, it's like there's glass in the middle of the road. It could leave there, leave there for a while. But yes, I think it's a question of degree. But the question is just what's the, uh, what's the yardstick for degree? Is it like how, you know, is it like, is like uh, how likely it is somebody will trip on it or how, how much will it remain there on its own before it gets cleaned up? Right? How many people is it impacting? But yes, at a certain level measured by a particular yardstick, if it's Macaulay, then somebody has a right to seize it. Okay? No, it seems like the best read of him, there's some debate of Rashi tells us what he's saying, but the best read of him is he's expanding Tanakama. Tanakama said it only by Tevin and Kash, and he's saying Kohamakalkalin. Okay? Yeah, that's the way they read it. Okay? Um, so let's take a look at the Gemara. You're welcome to give a different read, but it's not explicit in the Gemara. Lema must needs into low crab Yehuda. Let's say I miss what? Right? I mean, if, if, if I'm fired for your, for your Tevin and Kash, which is not so hazardous, then... Yeah, but again, he's not... He's not Maybe, could be, but you know, the point is the Chachami talk about a concrete case and he talks about a broad thing, so they see him as, bro- as broadening. Um, and again, the, notice that the phrase is not, you know, Hamesi Nezek, it's Mekalkel, so the, there is a focus more on, you're not just creating a hazard, you're ruining the public thoroughfare. Okay. Yeah, so that's another way of saying it. Okay, so we'll see some of that in the Gemara. Mishnah is not like Reb Yudah. Tanya. Reb Yudah Omer, Volim, at the time when you're, it, it is accepted for people to bring their, their, their dung into Rishud HaRabim, other Motsis Valol Rishud HaRabim, you can bring your dung, Vitsover Koshloshim Yom, and pile it up for 30 days. I don't know what 30 days is starting when, starting at the time when it's acceptable to do it, it seems like. Kedei Sheheni Shof, or from 30 days from the time you put it there, Kedei Sheheni Shof, Ragoi Adam Rabbi Behema, in order that it should be sort of brought in by a people. Now, the funny thing is, is that the Gemara is going to say later that if it's actually already dung, you don't need it to be trodden. What you need to be trodden is like your, you know, your straw and whatever. So presumably that's what he means. You're bringing your straw to turn it into dung and you're given 30 days to do that and you have a right to do that. This was one of the stipulations, right? Uh, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The social contract when they entered into Israel, people should have a right. This is the way you create uh, fertilizer, you know, for your field. Okay, so the Gemara says, so you see, he says you have a right to do it. Gemara says, no. Even Rabbi Yehuda would say you're allowed to do it, but you would still have to pay if somebody got hurt. Now, again, by, by the, 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 the language of Rabbi Yehuda, sounds like you're given like a right to do it with impunity. Okay, but the Gemara is still saying, like we saw earlier, maybe there are things you have a right to do and you're still liable for. So the Gemara says, one minute. That's not, but we taught in the Mishnah, Reb Yudah Omer, B'ner Chanukah, Patrim Neshu Rishut, if the guy, the storekeeper, left his Chanukah menorah on the outside of the store, and it lit the flax of a passing camel, then he's going to be exempt, because he has a right to do it. So it sounds like that's telling you a principle, that if you have a right to do something, you can't be liable for it. Again, you could have made it more narrow, but the Gemara is reading that as a general principle. My love, Meshum Rishut, doesn't mean anything you have a right to do, you're not liable for. Lo, 
mitzvah. No, it's only because you have a mitzvah to do it. That gives you a exemption, like you know, impunity. But But just because you have the right of based to do it, if it's not a mitzvah, you're going to remain liable if people get damaged. Tashma, coming here. Even all those that they save have a right to go ahead and damage the Rishid Arabim, like to throw their stuff in Rishid Arabim. It is true, we do give sometimes people a right to do that, certain times of the year. Nevertheless, you're liable. That's what we've been saying until now, right? That even if you have a right to do it, you're liable. But here, this Breitha says, Reb Yehuda Poter, Reb Yehuda exempts. So the Breitha is clear that Reb Yehuda's position is, if you have a license to do it, you're not liable for damages. So clearly our Mishnah is not like Rebbe Yehuda. So that would, of course, be the easiest thing to say. Fine, concede. The Mishnah isn't Rebbe Yehuda. End of story. Rebbe Yehuda says if you have a right to do it, you're exempt. But the Master wants to say it's possible it is Rebbe Yehuda. I'm Rebbe Nachman, Masnissin, Shalom, Maybe our Mishnah is still Rebbe Yehuda, but our Mishnah is at a time when you didn't have a license to do it. There are periods of the year when you're allowed to do it. Maybe our Mishnah was talking that you took out your dung and your straw when you weren't supposed to be doing it. Fine. Okay, but bottom line is, whether, whatever the case of our Mishnah is, we see an important debate about that the Tanakhama says that if, even if you have a license to do it, you're Chayev, and Reb Yudah says when you have a license to do it, you're Pater. Ravashi Yomar, now Ravashi says, another way in which our Mishnah might be a special case, and this gets back to what I was saying a minute ago, and when I, we read the Mishnah, Kavno Vikasho Tznan, when the Mishnah is talking about straw and hay, Mishum Demisriki, those are very, very slippery. So meaning, Reb Yudah, Buddha might say, in general, I think if you have a license to do it, you're not liable. But straw and hay, which are a super hazard, super slippery, those, even if you have a right to do it, you're going to remain liable. When the degree of, you know, a, a potential damage is so high, then your license does not exempt you from liability. Okay, so what do we have? What we, whatever the mission is talking about, we have a debate of, do we say that if you have a right to do it, that means you're exempt, or that means no, you still have to be, make sure that you're not going to be exposing people to damage, and you're still going to be liable. And Rabbi Huda says, it could be the right to do it does exempt you, but when the likelihood of damage is very high, then you will remain liable. Okay, now, now we're going to focus on not the question of liability, but on this special new halacha, that when you've created a, not just a hazard, presumably, but a, a you've uh, damage the public thoroughfare, people have a right to seize your property. So Amarav, Rav says, When you can grab the thing that that other person put in Rosh Rabin, you have a right to seize whether the, way, the, the thing that improves. So let's say a person put all this hay in Rosh Rabin, and some of it has turned to fertilizer, and some of it is still hay. So he says, You have a right to seize not only the stuff that's improved, the fertilizer, you have the right to seize the hay, the hay as well. No, you can only seize the fertilizer, not the hay. Now, it's a little strange, because you would think what the person did wrong was they put their stuff there, so the hay itself is the problem. Why are we focusing on the fertilizer part? But it seems to be that the point is, is that we might be talking that the person had a right to do it anyway. So it might be that what we're saying is, look, what's motivating you to do it is that the stuff is going to improve, that you're trying to turn it into fertilizer. So what we're going to do is we are going to sort of create a count like a 
disincentive for you that that stuff that it's going to improve that's going to be able to be seized you know by other people so just sort of know the sort of that you know this removes your incentive to do it the possible incentive and that's the motive and therefore that's what we're focusing on is part of the problem so as the Erie says we really just want to find you to take away the stuff that's improved okay that's what we're doing whereas Rav says no the whole thing's a problem and you go ahead and you can seize everything alright so the Gemara says like this what's the debate Rav says and the way the Gemara frames it is that Rav in principle agrees that the Shevach is the problem but since we're finding the Shevach we're going to give you a right to take the whole thing, the principle as well. No, the problem wasn't the straw, the problem was the improvement, so you can only see the improvement. I've got to tell you, I really don't understand this Kamara, because in my mind, like, I get that the, that the Shevach is the motive, but the problem is that you got straw in Rishas Rabbim, so I'm not exactly sure why we're hyper-focusing on the Shevach. Anyway, it's not. We turn the Mishnah. Somebody turns over the dung. Somebody got damaged your chayev. Now, in the Mishnah, it didn't say you can seize the dung. So that seems to be why, because the dung doesn't have a shevach. The dung doesn't improve. The dung is already in a good state. Okay? So it seems like, since it doesn't say you can seize it, it's because the only thing you're allowed to seize is the shevach. And that doesn't exist by the dung. So that's a proof to the eerie. So the Gemara says, no, and no, at the beginning of the mission when it says you can seize it, that applies to the case of dung as well. It doesn't mean that you can't seize the dung. You could seize the dung. Okay. One minute. We taught a bright that you're not allowed to steal the dung so that it actually the, 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 the knas does not apply to the dung. No. One is to say you're not allowed to steal it. It goes on the whole mission when you're allowed to seize the property. So if you're allowed to seize the property, what does it mean you're not allowed to steal it? It means, it means, once you've seized the property, it's fully yours, and the original owner can't take it back. It would be stealing for the original owner to take it back. So, doesn't mean you're not allowed to take it. It means you're entitled to what you took. Okay? So, the says one minute. That is not shot of those words. That is not the way it appears in the, in the Mishnah. Here's what the Mishnah says. Or it's, um, that somebody takes out his straw to turn it into dung. I don't know if it's none. I think it's a bright. Anyway, because our mission, anyway, and if somebody gets damaged, your chayav, anybody who seizes it has a right to seize it, the straw. So, means that your straw is, is, not, is not protected by laws of Gzela. People have a right to steal your straw, to take your straw. So, means people have a right to steal, steal it. And then it says, but if what you're doing is dealing with dung, and you put your dung, out in Rishus Rabim, Ruzak Ben Acher, and somebody else got damaged, Chayav, you're liable. The Asimishum Gezong, people are not allowed to steal your dung. So they're saying a Mishnah, I think it's bright, it's clear that they're allowed to take your straw, and they're not allowed to take your dung. So that seems to be very clear. The only difference between straw and dung is the issue of Shevach. So that seems to be clear that it's all about Shevach, and therefore they can take your straw, not your dung. So Gemara says, Amar Avnachim Bayitzah, Kalal Karavis, 
you are challenging from a case of dung. Literally, this means you're throwing dung. Anyway, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I think that that might have been intentional. Anyway, you're, you're asking from a case of dung. If it was a scenario where it could improve, like it was the case of straw, then Rav says you're entitled to the straw, to the, to the principle because of the shevach. But you have to start with the issue of shevach. Dover shevach, something that would never improve, like when you start with dung, Rokonsu, they did him fine. Even Rav that says you can seize the original object is only in a scenario of shevach. If all you have is something that would not improve, then, then you're not allowed to seize it. So again, this heightens the idea, you know, highlights the idea that the whole problem here is the fact that the thing is going to improve. It must be that that's the understanding is that's what motivates people to do it and that's what we want to be finding is the improvement. So either if we're going to find things that can improve, we might find the principle itself. But if you start with something like dung that can't improve, for some reason we're not going to find you at all in that case right. yet. Is that the dung that was created by the... No, this is straight dung like that your animals. Oh. Okay, okay. Right, this is you straight took the dung out to Rishon Sarabim. Okay. Ibailu. Now they raise the following question. For Rav that says that they find the principle because of the Sheva. If it's something that can improve, do we say that immediately somebody can seize the straw even before it's improved? Or only once some improvement has happened and now it's turned into dung, now somebody can now seize the straw. At what stage are they entitled to seize it? Tashma, come in here. With a Kairin on Galal. Since we asked from the case of the dung, it shows that we understand that according to Rav, you're entitled to seize it immediately. Because there, there was no Shafach. So the says, one minute. The Tisbara. Does that make sense? Kiarin on Galal. Why do we challenge by the case of dung? Before Rav Nachman made the point that Rav distinguishes between things that can lead to Shafach and things that can't lead to Shafach. So you're right. When we asked for dung, we thought that Rav entitled you to the principle on its own terms. But Lebazu to Shani Rav Nachman. Now that Rav Nachman said that Rav does not entitle you to the principle on its own terms. He only entitles you to the principle because, because it's going to bring about to Shevach. So now that we understand that even Rav needs the idea of Shevach, so the case of Glau is irrelevant. And now we want to know, since Rav himself only finds cases like straw that will lead to Shevach, does he find those cases immediately or only once the Shevach has come about? Okay. Let's say this question of do you find the principle because of the prophet is a debate of Tanayim. Okay, here's the bright, here's the, here is the Brighta. or I think it's a Mishnah. You have a document that has actually interest written in the document, right? Which is, is not, which is violating halacha. Kosinoso. We find the, per, the lender. He cannot collect, not only can he not collect the, the interest, he can't even collect the principal. Okay, now it's interesting, it says the borrower is also transgressing, but as Tosa points out, it's the lender that needs the disincentive more than the borrower. Also, the lender we can find, what are you going to tell the borrower? He has to pay twice? Okay, so therefore the borrower loses his right to collect even the principal. Um, but the sages say, go visit a of a no, you can still collect the principal. So 
So that sounds like it's a debate. Do you find the principle because the, pro- the problem was the prophet? Lema Rav Damak Rebbe Meir. Rav says like Rebbe Meir. You find the principle. Viziri Damak Rabbanan. Viziri says like the rabbis. You only find the prophet. Amalcha Rav. No, Rav will tell you. Anadami Afilu Rabbanan. I could say even according to the rabbis. Adkan Lo Kamri Rabbanan Hasam Elakaren. They're the rabbis who say that you only find the, the prophet. That's because the the Tera. That's because they allow you to keep the principle. Because you're allowed to lend somebody prin- the principle. You just weren't allowed to charge the interest. So the lending of the principle was an acceptable act. Okay, of course, you could say that if you're lending with interest, it redefines the whole lending. But okay. The lending of the principle was an acceptable thing. Alohacha Karen Gufa Kamaski, which is exactly the point of, I don't, uh, of why I don't get why we're focusing on the Shema. Here, of course, we want to find the principle. The straw causes the damage. So that's why I'm finding the principle. But in the case of the loan, the principle wasn't the problem. Vizir Amalachaziri will say to you, Anadami Afilu Rebbe Meir, I would say to encourage Rebbe Meir, who finds the principle in the case of the loan. There he finds the principle. From the time the, lo- the document was written, the loan was taken out, you transgress the prohibition. Even before principle, the interest is paid, the fact that you lent money with interest was a transgression. So there you transgressed from the very beginning. So therefore we are, vi- we are voiding everything, and you don't even have to pay back the principal. Here, maybe nobody will get injured. Maybe it'll turn out you didn't do anything wrong. Okay, so therefore I'm not going to go ahead and, uh, and right away find you the principal. Alright. Maybe it's like the following debate of tonight. We're just going to do three more minutes and finish to the Mishnah. Okay? Maybe it's like the following tonight. You take your straw out to a beam to turn it into dung. You're, you're liable. If you seize them, you're, you're entitled to it. And it is prohibited to steal. Now that's strange. You're allowed to take it, but you're not allowed to steal it. Like, isn't that a contradiction? Anybody that damages has to pay. The Rashid has to pay. Anybody who seizes it can take it. And it's, you're not allowed, it's not a problem of stealing. So they both say you're allowed to take it, but one says it's a problem of stealing, one says it's not a problem of stealing. So what the heck is going on? So the Gemara says, it's a contradiction. You said you can take it. Then you said you're not allowed to take it. It's stealing. Here's what they must be saying. When it says you're allowed to take it, it means you can take the stuff that improved. But you're not allowed to steal. Agufan is the principle. So the Tanakhama that says take it but don't steal it means take the improvement but don't take the principle. Okay? The Asrib Shim Gamliel and Shim Gamliel says no. A few Gufan, even the principle, you're entitled to it. So that sounds like they are debating are you entitled to the principle or not? So the says Liz Eri, according to the Eri that says you only get the Shevach. You're right. It's a debate of Tanayim. Because the Mishim Gamliel that's saying it's Mucha Mishim Gezel is saying you're allowed to have the principle. And that goes against the Eri. Okay? Rav Nilema Tanayim. How about Rav? Who says that you are entitled to the principle? Does he have to say it's a debate? No. No. I'm going to say everybody says you're allowed to get the principle. So what does it mean? Asr mishum gezel. Asr mishum gezel means something else. The question is 
whether you announce this to people. Technically, people are allowed to seize it. It's a very interesting dance we're playing, where on the one hand we're being very, you know, very punitive. We're saying that anybody can take even the principle. On the other hand, we're not going to tell everybody that they can take the principle. They have to sort of know it on their own. Okay? So it's a very interesting, like, tightrope walk. Okay? Kamifugi. The Itmar was taught. So halach is you can take the principle, but you don't announce it. You tell people they can take the shevach, but you don't announce that they can take the actual principle. No, you tell people about it. Okay? And therefore, Asumishum Gezel or Mutumishum Gezel means Means, technically you can take you know you can take the whole thing but we tell people they're not allowed to do it <laughs> okay so usher is what we tell people but in reality they're allowed to take the whole thing Amy is that really true Rav Huna was mafkir somebody who put out like this uh, uh, barley in Rosh Hashanah and said you, anybody can take it and he was mafkir also some type of uh, uh, whatever dregs of uh, dates so that he said anybody can take it he's consistent he says you tell people they can take the principle let's say Rav Huna who announced it maybe he was being uh, reversed himself because he says you don't tell this to people and I says no honey Musarin Havu not Musarin Musarin those people had been forewarned those people were repeat offenders so they were repeat offenders then he told people anybody is free to take it okay so we have all these different debates about whether you're allowed to take the principle or not, and even if you are allowed to seize the principle, whether it actually is only, um, is, uh, whether you tell people about this. But again, bottom line, two important points. Number one is there are times when you're allowed to go ahead and do it and put stuff in Rishat Rabin, but that doesn't free you from liability. And on number two is also, when you do create things that actually not are just da- uh, hazards, but actually damage the public thoroughfare, there might be special takanas that allow that say that, 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 that people are entitled to seize it if you're going to go ahead and be damaging the public thoroughfare. Okay, we are caught up.